Welcome, welcome, one and all. It's me, Steel Tyler Philippet, coming back to you with another episode of Building a Better Story World. If you're a creator of any sort, or you want to know how narrative universes are created, this is the podcast for you. But you probably already know that, so let's get cracking. We've just wrapped our second arc of content in which we delved into five elements of advanced design for story world development. As a reminder, those five pieces are the lie, the primary differentiator that separates a narrative world from the real one. The fun, those bits of essence that get people excited to return to a fictional world over and over again. Archetypes, classic figures that allow creators to find a foundation for their stories and then to innovate. The rules, structures that anchor and guide your story world so that it feels cohesive and organic for your audiences. The mists, references and throwaways that help make your world feel alive, breathing, and ever-expanding. Just as we did after we wrapped the first arc of content, we're going to be returning to the prompts that we've worked on in the episodes just prior to this one. In other words, we'll be going over advanced universe creation, step by step. That way, if you want to go through this process all over again, you can hop to this episode rather than having to go through over three hours worth of material. There won't be case studies or gags, but don't worry, our next episode will be getting back to all of that fun. For now, if you'd like to take part, let's begin with your lie, or rather, the fundamental difference. What is at the foundation of your world? If it is magic, how is it tied in with the very existence of your world? If it is science, what is the single technological leap forward that has set your world apart from the real one? If it is horror, how has the interplay between the natural and supernatural perpetuated itself over the millennia, or how did it first begin? And if it is something more real like a brand or a comedy, what kind of basic human desire does your story speak to? Write a few down, and then see which fits best. It is critical that you get this right. You don't want to create a whole story world and then have to fill in holes because you got this initial divergence wrong. If needs be, set it aside and think about it as we go into the next segment, which deals with all the cool stuff that supports your lie. For that, I want you to answer each of the following questions. What is the complexity of your world that expands on the lie? Or rather, how are you making your simple lie a little bit different than what has come before? Who are the characters that engage in these complications? What are their goals? How do they achieve them? How do they defy audiences' expectations? After you've written something down on those questions, try to write a sentence that includes your primary differentiator and elements of at least four of those answers. It doesn't have to be elegant for now, but it should be clear how your world diverges from ours in a few simple foundational ways and a couple secondary complicated ways. Take a break and really think it through if you'd like to work on your piece, because next up, we're going to be adding a whole assortment of extras that help flesh out the structure a bit more. I want you to write down three elements, the medium in which your story takes place, the length of each episode or entry, and the breadth of the cast of characters with which you're going to be working. Then, next to each of those elements, I want you to write three extrapolations of them. If you're writing a thousand-page novel, what kind of depth are your audiences expecting as opposed to, say, a 20-page comic book? If you're creating an EP or a full album, what does each require in order for your target audience to consider it a success? If you're creating a stand-up routine or a sketch comedy troupe, how are you going to engage your audience in your brand of humor? When you're done, write a sentence that speaks to several of these elements in an oblique manner. You don't have to tell people that you're creating a webcomic in your pitch if you're already at a webcomic convention. But think about how webcomics work, through quick, bite-sized adventures with three-dimensional characters that can lead to endlessly funny situations. Try it a few times, and make sure that it ties into your previous two sentences. 
When all that is done, you'll have three chunks of information that detail the lie of your world. Some will overlap and some will contradict. Go back in and see if you can create one paragraph, perhaps three sentences, that detail your world in an engaging way. Once you're wrapped with that, it's time for the fun. If you recall from the episode about fun, we used an analogy for fun based around food. Since we're starting off again, let's build the meat of your fun. What is that big chunk of something for which fans are going to come back to you over and over again? Classically, it involves two elements. The first is a trope or basic format, like a subgenre, character, world, or situation. Your genre will probably have some classics in each of these areas, and you should embrace one or two. There's a reason why you and other fans have gravitated to it. An old story told well is a beautiful thing. Secondly, you should also add another element from your own tastes or style to produce something new. This can be a writing style, a new medium, characters that don't normally show up in your story, satire, whatever. Just think of something new that can tweak or twist this old form. If you need a little bit of help here, fear not. I want you to create two columns. In the first column, I want you to write the subgenre that you're working in. Below it, in a bullet point format, I want you to list at least 10 tropes of that form. Who are the stock characters? What are some of the classic formulae of its content? What kinds of places do the characters go? If you can't think of 10, do a little bit of research. I guarantee you're overlooking some classic elements that fans of the genre expect. Secondly, in the other column, I want you to write the twist that you are giving to this subgenre. As stated, this can be any attribute, genre, or hook that you'd like, but it should be something you know well. That's because underneath your secondary element, you're going to write at least 10 ways this content could complicate, tweak, parody, subvert, or in some way turn your original genre on its ear. You don't have to match these up with your tropes. Some elements will be stronger or more popular with others. Yet, if you find yourself spinning more and more ideas, you'll probably have discovered a concept with legs. Next, we're going to be continuing our look at your meal of fun. We've got the meat, so what's something secondary to it? That is, what is a side dish to your fun? I want you to first reiterate what your fun is in one sentence. Then, write five potential narrative elements that you could add without overwhelming it. These should be narrower than the genres that you tapped into in the primary fun. Look to the tropes instead, and pick out a few that might become more substantial elements of your broader story universe. The point of the exercise is less about building out as many ways to create fun as possible as it is to think through your fun. What are audiences going to like? What is going to motivate them to return again and again? If you have too little, then you'll run out of story fodder pretty quickly. Too much, on the other hand, and it'll be overwhelming. Remember, this is for a narrative universe, not a one-off story. You're going to need to replicate your work in numerous episodes across a multitude of media. Ensuring you have a strong one-two punch of fun will make sure it all feels consistent, regardless of where or when or how your stories take place. Finally, I want you to think about the spice of your fun. Think of a few cool, interesting, horrifying, or hilarious things that will happen every once in a while in your story world that change the status quo. If your comic book series is about politics, there will be elections. If your novel series is about beat cops, there will be shootouts. If your podcast is about music culture, there will be major festivals to cover. At the same time, these elements are rare. Major elections don't happen every day. Some police go entire careers without ever drawing their weapons. Festival fatigue is a real thing for even the most ardent of music fans. With that in mind, I want you to write a list of six elements that would heighten the stakes for your show in dramatic fashion when properly introduced. For some prompts, consider these. What secret, if revealed, would risk the life of your protagonist or those they love? What character, when they arrive, reveals to the audience that things are about to get real? What running gag will, when played right, continue to build in hilarity? 
What kind of thing will your characters never do? And when will they break that self-enforced rule? What would turn a secondary protagonist into an antagonist, or vice versa? And what would switch them back? Who can never ever get together? And how will they inevitably wind up that way? As you're thinking about these, you'll probably think of a few examples of series that pulled off examples of these subversions in dramatic form, and some which lost their power after the sixth or seventh time they were tried. It happens to even seasoned pros, so be wary. Imagine that you are a cowboy in a narrative shootout. These six elements of spice are the six bullets in your story revolver. You have to make each one of them count, because when they're used up, they're used up. Now that we've got the lie and fun covered, let's look to archetypes. Follow along as I list 12 major figures from the annals of human narratology, jotting down thoughts or notes if you think that one or more of them fit your main character or the universe. First up, the champion, a figure who fights for a cause and rallies a people to the side of righteousness or justice. The champion is on a quest for good, but can become subverted or corrupted if they refuse to give up their role when their journey is concluded. Themes include truth, courage, determination, and the power of free will. Next, we have the ruler. These are destined leaders who abrogate their own responsibility to serve the citizens of their nations, who in turn work together to build a stronger union. Rulers can become tyrants if they don't understand the power and responsibility of their role, so consider questioning the role of leaders, what they give up for power, concepts such as fate or divine right, and the reciprocity of rulers and those who are ruled. Consider also the outlaw. These figures are bikers, iconoclasts, gentlemen thieves, and others who destroy the trappings of society. Those who buck against the injustices of fate, hypocrisy, and limitations are powerful to audiences, but they can become twisted versions of themselves if they simply subsume into hedonism. Make sure your outlaws have codes, or else that there is a method to their madness, as they try to find freedom and showcase the hypocrisy of order. Similar to, but distinct from, the outlaw is the trickster, whose laughter and mockery reveal hidden truths about humankind and their mores. Tricksters such as Br'er Rabbit, Coyote, Reynard the Fox, and Bugs Bunny show how putting a fantastical veneer on them gives them a sort of power. They are everybody and nobody all at once. But note that comedy becomes cruelty if not played right. If you're creating an unseely fairy or mischief maker, this might be fine. But above all else, make sure that the humor is funny and satirical, rather than heartless or bullying. There's also the Everyman, a character which goes by many names, but always has one singular journey, to find happiness by embracing normalcy. White picket fences, the nature of home, the power of family. These and other motifs or themes fuel characters who are just fine with being average, especially when they're thrown out of their comfort zone. That comfort zone can get a little too comfortable, of course, so unless you're creating a dark form of the everyman, like an HOA chairperson or a small town gossiper, make sure to highlight that normalcy means something different for everybody. A vastly different archetype is the explorer. Those prototypical wanderers seek out truths in faraway lands before returning home to change the status quo. They are the archaeologists, pioneers, and fashion trailblazers. They are also the restless cowboys, the dissatisfied critics, and all of those who are never satisfied with anything they find. Freedom is a critical component to the explorer, but so too is acceptance and wonder and hope and the desire to share the next big thing with everybody. Next up, we have the sage. Detectives, martial arts masters, and private eyes typically fall under this archetype, as do all who seek to showcase the truth via their wisdom. Sages can sometimes be a little boorish or fastidious, even sometimes turning into mad scientists when they learn something humankind was not meant to know, so responsibility and the journey, as opposed to the destination, are key themes to grounding noble sages so that they don't go snobby or insane. A unique archetype to ponder is the innocent, those whose faith is so strong that it inspires the world to change. 
Uncommonly, innocents don't tend to change too much themselves as their faith in humanity or a nation or an ideal is so strong that it sees them through to the end. But make sure they are so inspiring in this regard that even their detractors can't help but admit their strength. Earnestness, purity, and honesty are all motifs seen in the innocent's journey back to the garden. You might have the lover. These are people for whom love, familial, platonic, erotic, or whatever, is the ultimate goal of life. The classic journey for the lover is to try to win the affection of their target paramour, only to discover that the true way to succeed is to love themselves. Those that don't can become stalkers or abusers, so be wary if you're not creating a narrative built around the dark side of love. There is another archetype that is about love, of course. Caregivers. These are the mama bears, mentors, professors, and small-town sheriffs of the narrative metaverse. They abrogate a great deal of freedom in order to nurture the next generation in whatever form they come. By teaching, training, and aiding, they inevitably help their charges fulfill their dreams. Unless you have a corrupt caregiver, that is. These are the smotherers and martyrs who refuse to let those in their care grow up. Growth, education, and identity are all critical components of this archetype, regardless of the direction in which you're taking your narrative universe. What about creators? Artists are the classic form of this archetype, but so too are those who are driven to capture the majesty of the world in any form of media, from radio to chess to engineers. The goal of the artist should never be accumulation, awards, or recognition, unless of course you're creating a twisted creator. Noble creators are driven by the desire to leave a legacy, to inspire, and to try and find truth in creation. Finally, we have magicians. They may be actual magic users, but more often than not, they are dreamers who can somehow change our basic assumptions of the world. They are Silicon Valley disruptors, visionary inventors, and all those who wish to see the world transform, for good and ill. Change for change's sake leads to amoral characters who can destabilize the very foundation of reality, which may be your aim. If not, magicians tend to follow a very rigid rule structure in order to make sure that their powers do not overwhelm themselves or others. Those are just 12 figures. There are many, many others. They shouldn't bind you to a particular form or format. If you've got two or three, see how they mesh or merge once all is said and done. Just as importantly, look to stories with similar figures. What do they have in common with your work, and what is different? Make sure you have both similarities and differences. You don't want things to be too samey, nor do you want something so different that fans reject your world. Moving on, we're going to get into the rules of your universe. I want you to first pick one broad category under which your rules function. This could be a genre like superheroes or opera, or it could be a system like politics or magic. Specificity is a good thing here, as it will help guide your research into what has worked or not worked in the past. Look to various subgenres you may have already detailed above, or else find what elements you want to grab from radically different tracts. Once you've done so, I want you to write a paragraph about a few of the rules that fall under this broad category in your world. Try to build it in a step-by-step -step structure. This element leads to the next element, which leads to the next element. This one thing happened, which changed the world in this way, which led to whatever it is that inspires you to create the story world. I recommend a minimum of two rules and a maximum of five. You don't want to be too bland or too complicated right at the beginning. Next up, think of the elements of meta design that are going to guide your universe. These can be anything from genre-specific tropes to emotions to tone or aesthetics or really anything that you think is intrinsic to the property. Then, I want you to circle five. Just five elements that you think are critical to making sure that your property is yours alone. If someone were to come along and write a story set in this universe, what are the five elements that must be incorporated in order to make it feel cohesive? After that, I want you to write down ten attributes of your story world that are not found in it. 
These can be no-go areas, such as swearing, violence, or sexuality, but also think about themes that you reject, or storylines that don't fit, or elements that you don't personally like to write or work on. Once you're done, and just like the prompt above, I want you to circle five. These are the absolutely immutable frontiers that are outside the bounds of your story world. Your collaborators may push and pull and prod your narrative universe in other ways, but these five are verboten. With those codified, I want you to think about the elements of your basic structure. Consider each of these questions I'm going to ask about your basic structure, as well as where they fall on a spectrum between two points. On a scale from 1 to 10, are the stories in your narrative universe more standalone or more serialized? On a scale from 1 to 10, are your stories more about small-scale interpersonal conflict or grand-scale spectacle-driven conflict? On a scale from 1 to 10, are you going to base your world more in reality or more in speculative fiction, that is, magic, science fiction, horror, etc.? On a scale from 1 to 10, are your plots going to be more straightforward and based in immediate character concerns, such as love, wealth, and fear, or more convoluted and grounded in mystery, discovery, and puzzles? On a scale from 1 to 10, are you going to have a more formulaic plot that follows the same basic structure in each entry, or are you going to create wild and diverse plots within your overall universe structure? When you're done, I want you to go back and write down at least one sentence for why you chose that number on the spectrum. You might have written down a 3 for how formulaic your plot is, and that you want most of your stories to be straightforward, but with a divergence or two in every plot to keep things spicy. Perhaps you chose 6 on the spectrum between reality and fantasy. You want a little bit of grounding in the real world, but you also want to explore the truly weird. Or maybe you wrote down a 1 for your story with regards to how episodic it is. This is a true anthology series, with no connection, save theme, between each entry. Finally, after you've done all that, I want you to consider what it would mean if you moved this number one up or one down. What would it mean for your story world if it was slightly more about media emotions, or else slightly more complex? Would it break it or add to the fun, so long as it didn't stray too far? You don't have to write these down, but it's a good idea to get into the habit of seeing your rules as anchors. They keep you mostly locked in one narrative location, but the tidal drifts of finances, fan expectations, producer notes, and new campaigns might shift your positioning ever so slightly. You might be forced to compromise if your funding is cut, which will force you to dim down the spectacle but up the interpersonal conflict. If you're prepared for such a shift, you'll be that much more likely to change for the better. Take your time with all of these, build them out, and when you're ready, we can get to the mists and mysteries of your universe. We'll be starting out with the players in your story world. I don't mean your main characters or antagonists per se. Instead, I want you to write down at least two major factions represented in your work. These can be cliques, political parties, religious sects, fraternities, teams, or anything else. Give them both a list of five attributes before listing a few major players in several events. Who are the leaders now, and who were they in the past? What was the event that started off this rivalry, and how is it complicated later on? Why must they continue to fight long after this conflict has begun? Next, as an optional assignment, consider creating a third faction, one that is much smaller or tangential to overarching conflicts, but has the potential to catalyze that conflict. They may be the key to winning whatever war is being fought, or else they could destabilize both sides. Give this group five attributes, as well as a few major players and events, topping it off with how this group could galvanize either side to victory or defeat. As a final bit of this assignment, I want you to take out two highlighters, one pink and one yellow, and go over each of these lists. Highlight in yellow at least one character or event per faction that you will not reference directly in your first entry. In pink highlighter, highlight one element per faction that you will only hint at in offhand comments. 
These aren't hard and fast rules, but by limiting the scope of what you're going to commit to narrative, it will force you to think of clever ways to describe the conflict that will invoke the audience's imagination without overwhelming them. Now that you've got characters, let's think about their realms. What are some of the unknown lands from your story world? These don't have to be entire planets or nations. It could be towns or houses or schools or any place that has the potential to build out your story world. Write down at least three locales that your characters must visit in your initial entry. These are the places of great confrontation or conflict, the stadium where the final game is going to be played, the stage at the final performance, or the bar where everybody hangs out. Then list the people who inhabit each of these worlds. These could be your main or secondary characters, but they shouldn't be visitors to these realms. They are the citizens that know the land and its boundaries. Give yourself some space, because I then want you to write three locations that were formative to each of these characters before they got to this homeland. Perhaps they went to or dropped out of a prestigious university. They might have been stationed on a military base in Japan or Proxima Centauri. They could have lost their freedom in a game of dice in 12th century India or won their fortune thanks to the luck brought to them by the first dime they ever earned in Duckburg. Finally, choose just one of those places of historicity for each character and write down one line of dialogue that hints at what happened there. Don't be explicit. Allow the audience some agency to think about the importance of this place to your characters. You might have a character make references to their role in the military, but not reveal just what that means until later, or you could talk about their formative years at a university in which they cheated to get ahead. You'll need to refine these if you write them into your final program, novel, comic, or episode, of course. The goal to good dialogue and good locations are that they help facilitate the plot and characters. We'll get into the details of both character speech and proper story world locations in good time, but for now, I just ask you one thing. Don't be boring. Instead of a school, consider a semester at sea. Instead of an office building, consider a firehouse. Instead of a secret hideout, consider an ice planet in the Arctic. They don't have to be as outlandish as all that, and you may not visit these places for many episodes or many years, but the more interesting they are, the more they will speak to your audience's imagination. Take a moment to recharge your own imagination and finish up this exercise, and then continue on with the last segment of this episode, in which we will look at your chronology. Specifically, let's create an era of content for your story world. Look back to the two prior prompts. You should have two or three factions within your universe, and perhaps some locales where there were events that transpired before those organizations came into conflict. Choose one narrow band that could unite some of these disparate elements. Four years at a boarding school, or how a nation was founded, or the circumstances by which an evil artifact was formed. Lightly codify this particular era with a few attributes, a few players, a few conflicts, and a few locales. You don't want to get too specific, or else you might write yourself into a corner if you need to change some details later on. But a little bit of specificity will help guide you as you compose your work. Make sure that you also write down which of these characters or elements remain to the present day of your story world, which have been modified and which, if any, have been lost to time, at least for the moment. Finally, write down one paragraph about what is different about this era from the current one, Sometimes this will be technological, in that your Lovecraftian horror series may skip from ancient Rome to Victorian England to the modern day, or perhaps it is more about aesthetic, which might be dark or brooding in one era and campy or cheerful in another. Having some distinctions between the two isn't just about setting the time. It's about setting audiences' expectations. They'll instantly recognize the different eras of your content if you have a good level of distinction between the two. Make sure that you have given room for their imaginations to grow, of course. If you codify too much, then your fans won't get to dream about what might be, because everything will just be written down. If you've been following along and crafting this kind of content from the beginning, well done! 
We've just gone around the horn on advanced story world creation. Like the last time we went through prompts, it is but one part of your much larger story universe. You might be inspired to expand some sections, or you might find that others aren't quite up to snuff. Keep working on your world, and get to composition as soon as you can. That's where you'll find narrative ways to build out your world, tweak it, create deeper elements, and make it feel alive. More than anything, I want you to write. All the design work in the world won't mean anything if you don't finish your novel, comic book, screenplay, podcast, or campaign. Please feel free to share them with me. Don't forget to subscribe to this series on Spotify, iTunes, or whatever podcatcher you use, and check me out on steelphilippec.com or on Twitter, at Words of Steel or at Building ABSW. Stay tuned for more exploration of imagination, and thanks for listening.